Genesis 12, the call of Abram, the setting. The life Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden was now over. Banished, having tasted the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Adam and Eve lived with consequences that soured their once good way of life. Humanity fell further as rebellion carried on through Adam and Eve's firstborn son. When Cain killed his brother Abel in cold blood, God sent Cain from his family and his community. After Abel's death, Eve gave birth to a third son, Seth. Seth called upon the name of the Lord and became a beacon of light and truth in the midst of the lawlessness of Cain's descendants. And for a time, the descendants of Seth feared God. But eventually, they married into Cain's bloodline, and future generations embraced evil to the fullest, seething with violence, sexual immorality, and hatred towards one another. The terrible wickedness of humanity grieved the heart of God. He decided to bring judgment upon the world and start over. Seeing righteousness in one man, a descendant of Seth named Noah, God instructed him to build an ark large enough to carry male and female of every type of animal on land and air. Noah obeyed, and when God cleansed the world by covering the earth in water, Noah and his family survived. God had given humanity another chance to rely on him and thrive in his love. Noah's offspring, longing for significance and purpose of their own making, decided to build a tower that would reach the heavens, and God saw the tower and the arrogance of the people. Patient and gracious, he confused their languages, breaking their once-shared language into many. Abandoning the tower, groups of people scattered over the face of the earth, developing unique cultures and raising walls to protect cities and towns. Still, most continued to live godless lives, pursuing pleasures and seeking to dominate one another. But God didn't give up. He had a plan to honor his own heart for reconciliation and to give humankind everything they longed for and had tried to achieve without him. And the catalyst of his plan would be a man named Abram from the city of Ur. A fictional retelling of Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. Abram speaks. Another day came to a close as the sun set behind Haran. On the hillside overlooking the city, I stood before the tombstone of my father, Terah, who had just been buried. Sarai leaned on my shoulder and held on to me as our garments whipped in the eastward wind. Yet despite the warmth of her company against the chill of the evening, I had little relief from the nagging uncertainty of my mind and the wrestling going on inside my heart. You seem troubled, my love, Sarai commented softly. Perhaps I have failed, Sarai. I fear that Terah won't be the only one to pay the consequence. Are you thinking of God's promise to you in Ur? God told me to leave my country, my people, and my father's household, and then he'd show me where to settle. But I didn't leave until my father left Ur. My father brought his household and his idols out of Ur, and I followed. And he settled us here in Haran, Sarai mused. And now he's gone. I lowered my head, and Sarai touched my cheek. Sarai, I haven't heard the voice of God since Ur, I said solemnly, looking back at the grave of my father. I don't know, perhaps God's changed his mind. Sarai fell silent for a moment, and then she said, Abram, maybe you misunderstood God when he spoke to you in Ur. I know you say he promised to make you into a great nation, but I'm barren, and her voice broke. Maybe I was never part of this plan. 
But Sarai, God was going to change our whole lives. He promised to make my name great. She shook her head. Do you not remember the stories of the Tower of Babel? They wanted to make a name for themselves, too. The people didn't rely on God them, and that was a mistake. But God has reached out to me. He made a new covenant with me. But why, Abram? Perhaps it's as simple as him being generous. Abram, she sighed. This wild dream of yours is taking you away from me. It's not a dream, Sarai. God promised me, and I have to believe we still have a chance. Stop saying we. You'll have to seek another wife who's not barren, because I can't be part of this dream. And I turned to embrace her, but Sarai pulled away from my arm and stormed down the hill. And as I watched her go, my nephew Lot approached from the tents of the camp. And as he drew near, he spoke. Uncle, he said respectfully, with a side glance at my father's grave. People are wondering, now that Terah's gone, what are your plans? Lot, I want to believe that God will give us a place to settle somewhere on the journey to Canaan. As my nephew, you will have my protection however God chooses to extend his blessing. This God you speak of, you look to him for guidance, yet he remains unseen. Lot looked doubtful. We have no graven images of him. Why would he give us anything? Lot, I left idol worship in Ur. I said with an escaping tone of frustration, I believe God will make my name great whether he is seen or unseen, and you will be blessed through me. Abram, I know you believe a God spoke to you in Ur, but leaving Haran and traveling to Canaan will be dangerous. Haran was never meant to be our home, I admitted to myself, as much as to Lot, and our journey isn't over. As I spoke, a powerful gust of wind blew across the gravesite. A whisper drew me towards the base of the nearby mountain. Uncle, I'm afraid the camp won't like this news, Lot said, pleading through the strong wind. Noticing the slope that led upward into the face of the mountain, I knew what I had to do next, because in my heart I was already climbing. I gestured for Lot to return to camp, and putting the burial site of my father behind me, I leaned in to hike up to the base of the mountain. I struggled up the slope, my calves were burning and my lungs laboring with each breath, yet a faint whisper kept coaxing me to take another step. Stirring in my heart was the promise that I would find what I needed at the peak. I knew that I was being led up by God up to this mountain. My hand grasped a boulder just below the plateau at the top. I pulled myself up and over and got my feet beneath me, and I slowly spun around to see the beautiful view. From this height, I could see the hills and desert for miles and miles. As I sighed with relief to have the climbing behind me, I half expected God to whisper softly to me again as he had an err. Waiting to hear that faint voice again, I walked over to the edge of the plateau. From this vantage point, I could see the path that led to the distant lands. The silence didn't sit well with me. I needed guidance, some sort of confirmation of reassurance. The only feedback I got was a stillness of nature, as if the world around me was indifferent to my troubled and exhausted heart. Even if my father were still alive to help me, the journey to Canaan from here would be long. Part of me was angry, that Terah had left me with all this baggage, a camp of nomads wandering the desert without only the memory of a dead leader known for following the false whispers of stone gods. His idol worship had brought him political strife in her and the grave in Haran. I wanted life. Lord, I yelled, my words evaporating in the vast sky. 
Lord God of my ancestor Shem and Noah who came before him, I am here. Yet still the silence. Was this God done with me? If I had done what God had instructed me to do from the beginning, Sarai and I would already be in Canaan, living out his purpose for us, and my father would be buried in his homeland next to my brother in Ur. Am I still the one you've called? I cried out with my knees shaking. The air seemed to swallow up my words like they meant nothing. As my heart leaned towards despair, a loud voice came from a cascading cloud miles above the peak from where I stood. Every word shook the ground beneath my feet. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you, the voice boomed. As God repeated the words he'd whispered to me in Ur, I saw myself through his eyes. Even though I hadn't done exactly as he'd commanded, he was loving and still choosing me. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. God's words put my mistakes to rest permanently in the past, and he pointed my heart once again toward the future. And my eyes, they, they filled with tears. I fell to my knees and touched my forehead to the ground, weeping as if God were emptying my body of all my mistakes. I will bless those who bless you, God said, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. These words fortified my heart with power that inspired more confidence than any wall built around Ur or any city for that matter. The fear of leading my people forward left me like the smoke from a bowl of incense. Fueled with new heavenly strength, I leapt to my feet, and without thought I began running down the mountain. Though I could have easily fallen and cracked my skull upon the rocks, the power bursting from my heart clothed me with the fearless momentum of a stallion. The flaps to my tent swayed back and forth in the wind as I burst into the energy of ten men. Sarai was fixing dinner for the evening, stirring the pot of food and sprinkling the season as she worked the ingredients together. The aroma reminded me of home in Ur. One of our servant girls parted the flaps of the entrance to our tent and entered, clutching a bowl of cold water drawn from the well. She placed it near Sarai and glanced at me before walking anxiously back outside. You've been gone a while, Sarai said without looking at me. You and Lot must have had a lot to talk about. I wasn't with Lot. He turned to his tent shortly after you left, I said, standing like a tower in the tent. Are you expecting an apology? I shook my head, barely able to contain my excitement. With fire in my belly, I knelt down and looked her in the eyes. God has spoken to me again, I whispered with brimming excitement. He's confirmed his promise to me. She stopped stirring and looked up at me. Your eyes glow, Sarai said. Her expression opened in amazement. His voice shook the ground where I stood on the mountain, I said with a huge smile, searching her eyes. And his promises are for you too. Nothing is impossible for him. What does that mean? She whispered with her face blushing. I'm saying we must trust him and walk in faith because when we do that, anything is possible. Abram? I heard the voice of my nephew outside the tent. May I enter? I shifted to face the entrance of the tent. Come in. Uncle, I, I saw you coming down the mountain. You could outrun a horse going into battle. What happened? We're leaving Haran, I said firmly. The confidence in my voice surprised even me. 